ate family style around a large oak table that their employer, executive producer Ricky Green, had purchased at considerable expense for just this purpose. While the daily lunch order at the little production company was perhaps her chief duty, Claudia had other key responsibilities, including the speedy typing of contact sheets for different production jobs on the Selectric in the corner. She handed the documents to her bosses, Faye, Tamara, or Kim, to review, and invariably trudged back to the typewriter, taunted by the crop of typos that only minutes before were nowhere to be seen, and now required immediate correction. Claudia ran errands and picked up giant brown paper-wrapped bunches of flowers from the wholesaler on 27th Street. Ricky who'd gotten into the business of producing television commercials because he wanted to wear jeans to work and considered restaurants and a place in Idaho important, arranged the flowers himself in various Depression-era pottery vases from his sprawling collection. Claudia FedExed gift certificates from day spas and salons to clients whose birthdays had almost been forgotten. She called the messenger service for pickups and drop-offs around town. She greeted, with a wink, the various rangy, ripe, dreadlocked, tattooed, gold-toothed, knit-capped dude bros whose cycling cleats clattered on the parquet and whose public enemy pounded through their Walkman headphones as they waited for a signature, while her bosses tensed, silently calculating the degree of sexual threat the messengers posed. Claudia carefully observed and pitied the ladies of Georgica Films. She was determined to perform her daily tasks with an ever-so-slight yet palpable indifference, which, when paired with her charisma, would keep her pointedly on the fringe of the operation and protect her from ever turning out like them. Her idiosyncratic work ethic had earned Claudia the nickname Fast and Sloppy. Every day at Georgica Films, there were fights, usually over the phone. They typically began with first-date nervousness, rocketed into cocky aggression, punctuated with gales of ballsy laughter, and ended with a pounding of the receiver into its cradle, followed by loud analysis, frustrated tears, and a cigarette on the fire escape. Faye, Tamara, and Kim screamed at production managers and casting directors on the phone. Hours later, they would call back and laugh it off, comrades once again. This style of conflict resolution was a new one for Claudia. In the home of Claudia's mother, Edith Mendelssohn, fireworks had always been followed, swiftly, by cataclysmic ice ages. Only once, when she was eleven, on a long, cranky car trip, Claudia told Edith that she hated her. I hate you! Hearing the hot syllables leap from her throat had been satisfying. She'd heard other children rage at their parents similarly with negligible consequences, and telling her mother she hated her made young Claudia feel, briefly, normal. But she soon regretted it. Edith didn't react suddenly. Her hand didn't fly into the back seat to box an ear. She kept driving, 
under a remarkable silence that Claudia soon realized Edith planned to keep up. As it turned out, Edith neither spoke nor looked at her child for three straight days. Finally, when Claudia couldn't take it anymore, she dropped to her knees and begged for forgiveness at her mother's lap. This method was successful. Edith accepted her child's apology, recognized her once again, and life resumed. Ten years later, Claudia was a senior in college, sitting on the floor of her dorm room on Manhattan's far Upper West Side, on the phone with Edith. In one week, Claudia would graduate and set out to seek God knows what. She was afraid. Over the last month, she'd visited several of her favorite professors at their office hours to ask what they thought, but none of them had a particular plan of action in mind for her. Recognizing that she was utterly unprepared to depart the snug little campus,